0: Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Bernice C. Adams, and on today's show, we have John Levy. John is a behavioral scientist who studies influence and adventure. He started the Influencers Dinner and has recently written a book that is one of my favorites, The 2AM Principle, The Science of Adventure. And John is just an interesting individual. I really enjoy this, because him and I have both traveled a lot. He's traveled more than me, but he's traveled the world and he's really found out what drives people. He's found out the psychology behind connecting with high influential people. And the dinner he does, Influencers Dinner, is where he brings in the most influential people in the world and he brings them in for a dinner and they can't say what they do. They have to go through the process, just connect with each other and talk and eventually they find out what each other does for a living. And I'm talking like billionaires, celebrities, uh, Olympians, everything. And it just, it's cool what he's done. And him and I, you know me, like I have the influencer program where I help people become an influencer. And I've been able to connect with a lot of high influential people. Well, he validates some of the things I know, but he goes beyond that. He talks about how you can really connect with anyone and just some great content. I really enjoyed this conversation. And by the way, I, I share something in this show that I've never shared before, a story about me in Mexico. Pretty sketchy, uh, <laughs> interesting story, but something I went out of my comfort zone that you're going to enjoy this. But highly suggest this, and again, I highly suggest you go out and get John's book. It's The 2AM Principle, The Science of Adventure. We're going to have this on the, the notes, so you go to BrendanTAdams.com and you can see the notes there and get your book, uh, just great book, you need to check it out. So let's jump right into it with John. Let's get started welcome back to the university of young entrepreneurs i'm bernie c adams and on today's show we have john levy john how you doing buddy
1: i'm incredible i'm uh actually really excited because for the first time in oh i don't know eight months i've spent more than three consecutive days at home, it's which w- never gets <laughs> to happen.
0: You know, uh, I'm very interested and I've, I'm glad that our friend Michael introduced us because we have a lot of things in common. I know you've you've traveled the world and you've learned a lot and you're big in the space of influencers and you have a great knowledge to share. And And especially for me, like our TV show, Ambitious Adventures, it, it makes me even more excited to learn from your travels. But I want to start off, John, to... Have you let the audience know kind of where your beginning was, where you got started as a young entrepreneur, and how it led you to the awesome things you're doing today?
1: Uh, So where I started off as a young entrepreneur was mostly failure. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But uh, my background in behavioral sciences probably started when I was about uh, in eighth grade. My school teacher decides to come in one day into class, and she – says we're reassigning the seating chart. And each student gets to pick two students they don't want to sit with, but secretly submitted. Yeah. And that day I found out like two things. One was, there was one student nobody wanted to sit with. And the second was that that student was me. And I was <laughs> totally heartbroken. And <laughs> like, I was just, I had no idea how to deal with the situation. But I figured if I could understand how people made their decisions, then maybe I could have a better sense of, what causes people to connect, what causes them to live extraordinary lives. And I didn't know what to do. And I was so geeky that I went to my favorite professor, and that's uh, Henry Walton Jones Jr. And I absolutely love his work. Uh, You probably know him as Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. And I said, What is it that people like him embody uh, that I could learn from? And I spent years. Uh, trying to hone the skills of social interaction of living an adventurous life of success of all these things and uh, and eventually over time, I started getting a real grasp on these things to the point that I developed a few models for understanding how people interact, and those have been pretty uh popular
0: so have you learned this I mean through college your own studies or what what kind of how did you learn all of this
1: oh in college I was a even bigger geek, <laughs> I studied computer science, math, and economics, so I did a triple major. I think what ended up happening was i had i graduated with two of them because n y u couldn't process all three or something like that. I still yeah. to this day have no idea which two I graduated with <laughs> and um and then I started reading a ton. I'd get all these research studies and books by famous scientists, and I'd start collecting all their stories and research. And um, I ended up becoming very, very close friends with a famous neuroscientist. And he invited me to begin doing research out of his lab. And I said yes. And so we started working on some pretty exciting uh, research project. And that's how I got into the, being a scientist. Before that I was doing applied research, meaning I was taking other people's research and applying it for companies.
0: So, uh, so what you've learned, so with all that you learned, I mean obviously you had a great mentor and you learned a lot in that process. So what could you share with the audience with in terms of neuroscience and psychology, which very much fascinates me? What have you learned in that aspect that's helped you better communicate and connect with other high influential people?
1: So that's a really, uh, I, I think, a really interesting topic in general, um, because highly influential people engage with life a little bit differently than the rest of us. And to even begin to understand that, we have to understand how they spend their time. You see, everybody thinks that it's very glamorous, but most of the time they're just uh, running to meetings, (laughs) prepping for meetings, uh, fielding questions. I mean, it's just a lot of work. And like maybe 3% of the time they're doing these glamorous things that you think are so interesting, but they've done most of them a hundred times. So, you know, how many more times can they go to a (laughs) casino themed fundraiser? Yeah. Uh, So there's a few things. One is, it's important to begin with the context of generosity since everybody wants something from them. Second, it's important to stand out and do something novel. Since they've experienced everything, you want to do something that actually triggers what's called the midbrain dopamine system. Now, this system uh, kicks in when you're exposed to something that's new or different. So at the base level, at like the sheer basics, I would begin with those two things. What can you do that stands out as different in a positive way? You don't want to stand yeah. out and different because like you went streaking during a conference
0: (laughs) (laughs) so so basically adding value are you saying basically because I mean so many influencers I mean I get people every day that contact me and they want something so would you say that to be correct to say add value in a way to the person that helps them or makes their life easier
1: yes and so yes add value is, is absolutely one way of of putting it I think it's adding value is a action I'm talking more contextual, right? Yeah. So you want to begin with a context of generosity. You And if you look at research by Adam Grant, the brilliant scientist from uh, Wharton, uh, organizational psychologist, he looked at who are the most and least successful givers, takers, and matchers, people who mimic other people's behavior. And he found that the least successful and the most successful are givers. And what separates the two are those that can stand up for their own interests while being very generous. So it's more a context of generosity than just specifically add value. I, I would could- absolutely agree that every social interaction is an exchange of value. And so you want to look at what it is that really has an impact on people but it's more contextual.
0: 100% agree. I agree with that. Any way you could give us a specific example how you've applied this to connect with a certain influencer? Just the process you did to be able to gain a connection with them?
1: Well, I can give you an example uh, which we which is probably what I'm one of the two things I'm best known for is I started something called the Influencers Dinner. 12 highly influential people are invited. Uh, they cook dinner together. When but they can't talk about what they do or give their last name. Then when they sit down everybody gets to guess what everybody else does and they find out that it's a famous author, a Nobel laureate, the president of a television network, the editor in chief of a magazine, so on and so forth. And if you just look at that, it's very novel and it's, it begins with a context of generosity. I pay for everything, I don't want anything from them. So it's a completely different format and structure. Now in terms of generosity and connecting with people, it's so ubiquitous within this community that's formed because I've hosted over 900 people at this point, but it's so ubiquitous that it, it's built into the fiber of the community. So whenever yeah. somebody's working on a project, there's this open invitation to reach out to the community for support. And it's incredible how everybody supports each other. Uh, there's been million dollars, millions of dollars in business. Uh, tons of money have been donated to charities. TV shows have been created, books have been published, anything you could imagine has come out of the community. But that's really a contextualized difference, right? It's not about networking. It's about community building. Now, the other thing that I think is really important is understanding as an entrepreneur, why you're even doing any of this, because frankly, it's a pain in the ass and chances are really good you're going (laughs) to fail. And so there better be a really good reason that you're putting yourself through all this hell. And I spent years traveling around the world studying the science of adventure. I literally wrote the book, The 2AM Principle, Discover the Science of Adventure. And in it, I really looked at what causes people to live fun, exciting, and remarkable lives. And one of those things that is consistent across the board is that as I define an adventure, it has to possess three characteristics. One is it must be exciting and remarkable. Now, why remarkability is so important Is that as a species we've spread our knowledge through an oral history, and if it's not remarkable, it's not culturally significant That's also true for whatever your startup or side hustle or whatever it is Is if it's not remarkable if it's not worth talking about then it's not relevant And maybe you shouldn't be doing it Two, it possesses adversity and or risk preferably perceived risk now I'm going to define a bit of the difference here, especially in the entrepreneurial experience. Perceived risk is skydiving. It's incredibly safe. Peril is, you know, uh, going toe to toe with a bull in Pamplona. And believe me, I've done it. As <laughs> You've front, done it. crushed by one. I almost died. I, you know, that's actual peril. In the entrepreneurial experience, it's the difference between doing what the Warby Parker team did, which was hold on to their side, uh, their jobs and their internships far past the point that Warby Parker was successful. So that they knew that they had enough runway to keep going versus somebody who's like, oh, I have an idea, quit their job, throws everything into it. And the fact of the matter is there's a really good chance it's not going to succeed. And you probably don't have enough work to fill a day with. And so that's a perceived risk or versus actual peril. If you want your venture to succeed, really put the odds in your favor. And then this is possibly one of the most important In terms of the reason to do something, the person that you are at the end of an adventure is distinct from the person who started. There has to be a growth experience. Yeah. And if you actually look at research by Mihai Cheek Sent Mihai about peak human performance, we are happiest and can experience this state known as flow when we are doing something that requires skill. It is slightly outside of our skill set. So we are striving towards it. If it's too easy, we get bored. Yeah. And it isn't so difficult that we're failing constantly. And in this state, an individual can feel that they are fully engrossed and connected with their actions. Things that take long periods of time feel like they took minutes, whereas something that took a fraction of a second feels like it took you know, several seconds. And so it is this peak state of human performance. And I think it's really telling that We can only enter it when we're doing something just outside of our comfort zone. And that really represents the entrepreneurial experience to me.
0: So to say on that, John, sorry to interrupt, but I I really, I like where we're at here. So flow, I mean, I've, I've been in flow states many times and it's, I mean, you feel like you can do anything and it's safe to say, I mean, that's why travel is so great doing things out of your comfort zone. And I've always said like, I want to be uncomfortable all the time because I know I'm growing then. So People should do things out of their comfort zone. If they're afraid to speak, go speak in front of a large crowd. I I did something the other day. I was actually, Tim Ferriss said, if you want to overcome any kind of fears in crowds, lay down on the ground in front of a a large crowd in a supermarket or somewhere. And actually, I did this a week ago. I was in the airport and there's like 300 people surrounded by me and I just laid down on the floor and I was doing a Facebook Live in front of everyone. Now, wouldn't you say, I mean, everybody should do something that's kind of gets them that scare.
1: So one of the things I would say is you should absolutely do things that are outside of your comfort zone. But you want to be careful because everybody has a different tolerance for novelty and discomfort. Yes. And (laughs) so what I, you know, listen, I, I'll do crazy stuff. I. (laughs) Dropped myself off in a foreign country where I don't speak the language, don't know anybody, don't have a place to sleep. And either I convince strangers to put me up or I sleep on the street. Wow. And that's not something that most people should do. Not because it's dangerous, but because they haven't built up the muscle enough to push it that hard. So
0: let me ask you this. I'm really – I'm curious on this. What did you learn from doing that? What, what kind of experience did you take away from just putting yourself in there and really – Gaining the experience to influence somebody to, like, take care of you.
1: <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing I, I got from it was that people are incredibly generous. And if you give them a reason to support you, there's a really yeah. good chance they will. And so and the world is a much safer place than we ever give it credit for. With the exception of the times that I was intentionally looking for trouble, which I do sometimes because I'm an idiot. Uh, (laughs) Like when I went down the back alleys of a souk in Morocco and the local police like kind of grabbed me and said that I should get out of there. Uh, Yes. I've never really been at any risk. Now, mind you, this is, you know, I'm a fit male traveling around the world and I look white. I'm actually mixed ethnicity, but I look white. And so you know, I'm a low risk category group. But whenever I speak to single female travelers, all of them say the same thing that they've never had a single issue. And so it's just incredible how safe it is out there. And it's mostly our concerns and fears that get in the way.
0: You know, I want to share something you just really I think you'll appreciate this. And my editor can decide if she cuts us out or not. But I uh, so I once I've been to Mexico 12 times. Have you, have you ever been there, John? I imagine you have. I've probably been
1: there like six. Yeah.
0: So I've been to Mazalan. I've been to Sinaloa. I, I I really, when I go to Mexico, I appreciate what we have. I mean, there's people in dirt floors and everything else. Mm-hmm. But this was about, I was in college, I think junior college. And I went there because I had an exchange student live with me for a year and he, uh, I I mean, he became my brother, and he moved back, obviously, to Sinaloa and lived in Mm Mazelan. And I'd visit him every year. And the one year I went to visit him for uh, his – he's getting married. I wanted to to go out one night. I mean, I was looking to have fun. And I found a guy that was going to be my translator. So he took me out in the town, but this wasn't where any average American would go. He took me, actually, to the middle of nowhere – And we were in the back streets. Well, it turns out that he was a drug dealer. And (laughs) we, yes, talk about experience. And he said, we got to stop at a couple places along the way. And we did. And it turns out he was selling drugs to them. And then before I knew it, we were in a corner where he was negotiating with a guy who had an assault rifle, had a, a machine gun. And we're in the middle of nowhere. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, boy, what? am I getting myself into? <laughs> and we're in a circle. Yeah, I know. And we're, we're all, uh, smoking a cigarette. And, and basically at that point, uh, like, Hey man, we'll take care of you. We, we we will make sure you're safe. We, I know everybody here and I'm like, Oh God. But in that experience, I end up within an hour saying, Hey man, I, I need to get back to my th- bed and whatever. I got out of that. But I was at that point, I, I kind of a, a fear and kind of scare. I, but I, after it happened, I realized, you know what? I I felt more fearless because it wasn't even that bad, given the fact that I was probably in one of the worst places in Mexico. But I did something out of my comfort zone, and I learned from him his basically his, well, dealing drugs. But uh, that was something that scared the hell out of me. But ever since then, I, I really, people get scared to go to another country. I'm not that fearful of it but again i don't know my producer can decide if she keeps it in um but but that (laughs) was one experience i'll I'll never forget yeah and and it actually was um yeah i won't go into more detail that'd probably get worse but but anyways that was one experience i had traveling and i think you for example like i'm sure you've had have you anything similar to that where you thought to yourself wow like i am really crazy i can't believe i just experienced that but after it happened you were glad it happened
1: i just got back this past week from Myanmar. I did uh, three and a half weeks across Southeast Asia. And I'm in the, I, I'm at a hotel on Lake Inle, and I they lend us some bicycles. And I say, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a two hour bike ride, go check out the hot springs. So we're biking and biking and biking, and biking and biking, and we begin to realize, and this is like the back roads of Myanmar, which is not the most developed country you've ever been to. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, especially yeah. in the rural areas and to give you a sense they only had 1,000 cell phones five years ago oh, it's what? a I, I believe it's a di- uh a military dictatorship Yeah, so we're now we finally get to the hot springs. It's like five o'clock The Sun is beginning to set I'm in a bathing suit and a tank top. That's all I have with me
0: yeah,
1: and uh, Nightfalls and we're in the back roads of Myanmar on bicycles and we are like going you know 20 30 uh maybe it's not 30 but like 20 kilometers an hour downhill trying to avoid oncoming traffic there's barely any light uh there're no street lights uh, my friend swerves out of the way from a car i end up falling as a byproduct skating across the the road i'm bleeding and bruised and mosquitoes are attacking me from every direction and uh, we keep biking, trying to find anybody that might be able to help us. Uh, and eventually we find a tin shack where 11 people live and uh, and they take us in and they yeah. wrap up my bloody arm and uh, they offer us their homemade whiskey, which was <laughs> like paint thinner. And uh, it turns out that one of them was a drove a boat. And so we hired him and he took us home, but we first hung out with them where they, and they showed us this gambling game. That's part like shuffle puck, part poker, part pool all in one. That was probably one of the best nights of my trip because it was that unexpected overcoming of adversity that led to a sense of community and connection with people that I would never meet otherwise. And it was incredible. And if you look at my Instagram, you'll see like these random people of Myanmar.
0: <laughs> you know, what something I like we you shared there is something you'll never forget. I think some people need to realize experiences. And this is one thing for even for selling things or building communities. People love experiences. I know you do that with your dinner. Mm-hmm. And some of the best times I've had and some people say like, oh, well, with money, you have a lot more money, you'll do more fun things. But I remember some great moments traveling. I've, for my Tuesday podcast show, I, I do them from. I've done my show from in the mountains, from a beach, from on airplanes, from all over the country. Uh-huh. And the best moments I've had have been when it didn't cost me anything at all. Heck, I'll remember when I used to sleep in my truck when I traveled, and waking up and it was uh, what was it Utah, with it being ten degrees in the desert and driving, and then also recording a podcast show at Santa Monica, the pier, watching the sun go down and just just enjoying myself, what didn't cost me a thing. And I think everybody needs to have them experiences. And those are the things that help build the creativity for our future endeavors. And, you know, actually, they gave me some of the best ideas for my writings, for my blogs, Mm -hmm. for my podcast shows. And that's what helps you become a better entrepreneur or just a person all around.
1: You know, it's interesting. Luxury is wonderful. It's fun to be pampered. It's fun to enjoy it but it doesn't have to cost very much to build community or have an extraordinary experience. There's a very low, in my mind, relationship between living an adventurous, fun, and remarkable life and money.
0: Yeah, you, you know, you, you stated a good point there, and I'm, I wanna ask you this question because this is probably the one question everybody wants to know the answer to. Mm-hmm. And you know, people that build that build large tribes, communities, I know Seth Godin talks about this in his book, mm-hmm. But when you build communities, these are the communities that help you like build your company and buy from you. What would you think would be the key point if somebody would to have success to build their own like Facebook group or team or community? What is the best tips you have to build the ultimate community experience where people actually feel like they're a part of something?
1: I think that that's a really complex question. No, uh, yeah,
0: it is. <laughs>
1: uh, the first thing I would say is is this something you're actually committed to doing? Because it takes years and years and years to build a community. You can create one quickly if there's like a tragedy or something like that, right? It brings, Tragedy brings people together so that they can get through it. But yeah. I wouldn't recommend engineering a tragedy. Um, no. <laughs> then.
0: Maybe I can make this simpler for yeah. you. You have worked with different companies and brands for helping with customer acquisition and and creating that experience. What are some, just what you've been able to do to help people or brands better establish a customer acquisition and get them a part of their community?
1: Uh, so I think the first thing is you wanna understand that human beings are not rational. And this is really important. Our first and foremost emotional, and then we essentially give a justified reason or, a, or explanation for our emotional decisions. And yeah. so we have to begin by asking What do we want people to feel and what do we want them to think? If you're a brand or company or whatever it is, what do you want people's relationship to your brand to be? And once you understand that, you can begin to design an experience that draws that emotion. Otherwise, what we're doing is kind of silliness. I could give you lots of tips. I can talk about the IKEA effect. The IKEA effect is that you disproportionately like your IKEA furniture because you had to assemble it. So anything you put effort into, you care about more. But just knowing that is nice, but it's not useful unless you know what do you want people to feel about the community? What is the purpose of the community? What brings people together? What is the content that drives conversation? And until you know what you're trying to accomplish, you can't design any of those things.
0: Yeah, and you know, one other thing too, I think maybe you can agree on this and add to it. So one thing, I Gary Vee always talks about I mean, sometimes you gotta do things that don't scale to scale and it's reaching out to your audience and treating them as a human being and not just a number. And that's one thing I really love to do. I mean, I I tell everybody to send me a snap uh, at BT Adams 18 send me a Snapchat, tell me what you're doing. And I answer every one of them. And I always engage with my audience because if you don't treat them as your community, then they're not gonna treat you as a person that you wanna be treated mm-hmm. like. So I think that one mistake that, entrepreneurs make or big companies is they don't treat their customers as real people. They treat them as a number, which is something that is going to long term. It's going to affect them in a big way.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. The fact is, especially when you're in these when you're just starting out, it's essential that you draw those strong relationships so that you have a core community of people who really feel connected to the organization
0: so i want to ask you a question in terms and i I really this influencer dinner maybe sometime in the future i can find my way into that dinner because it it, the second i heard about it i was very fascinated and it just sounded like everything i'd want to be a part Mm -hmm. of what is one thing and you don't share any specific people but from one of the the dinners you've had what is one like thing that you learned or experienced That you would have never expected in one of them dinners with when you collaborate and you bring these influencers together and they don't know each other but when they're communicating what is one thing you can take away or just one thing that you want to share with the audience that really uh, made you get a different perspective on life
1: i think it's the extent to which incredibly successful people are still in awe of anything that's not what they do so I can sit and have a conversation with a Nobel laureate and an Olympic medalist. They're in awe of each other. And it's pretty incredible that because these people have achieved such a level of success in their industry, how isolated they are to their industry. Very few people have a wide network outside of their industry. And that's, I think, what's really.
0: So basically, they're they're so involved in their niche, they don't know outside of their world. Often.
1: I mean, they, they all have friends that are outside and celebrities and all that. Like, everybody knows a few, but it's not vast, right? If you're a scientist, you mostly know scientists and academics. If you're an Olympian, yeah. you mostly know athletes or, um, you know, executives in the sports industry. So it's not like the opportunity for a breadth of connections is really wonderful.
0: So what – because I believe – I mean, obviously, you want to consume yourself in your industry, but also I believe it's good to – take yourself out of your industry to get different perspectives from other people that are experts in other industries. So what are some of the outcomes you see from people that do these meetings that you hold together, these dinners where you bring in the top experts of their industry and bring them in to collaborate?
1: Mm. Well, it's uh, really wonderful to see people collaborate. So when the book author meets the TV executive and they sell a TV show together. So it, it's, it's these bringing yeah. together, of uh, how, when you have a homogeneous group, right? Like you're a group of economists and you add another economist, you haven't really had any new knowledge. But if you are a, uh, group of economists and you add even a plumber, like all of a sudden you have a wealth of new knowledge being introduced. (laughs) So the, the question, so I think what the beauty of it is, is that each person comes from such a diverse background with such diverse knowledge that there's an opportunity to impact just about everybody in a meaningful way.
0: I, I totally agree. And that's, I mean, I, I don't know if you've yeah, you read the book The
1: classic of personal yeah, development.
0: So, yeah. Oh, I mean, great. I, um, I live off that book and five years ago I read it for the first time. And now I'm honored to say I'm actually featured in the, the film, the docudrama they're doing based on the book, and then also a part of the team for the Napoleon Hill Foundation they're putting together for the film. So like, I live my life on that, but the mastermind principle is huge. And obviously, for when you bring these people together, you are bringing the ultimate mastermind experience together, which, again, that's why it just interests me so much and why I think everybody should take the time to learn something out of their, their own niche and just get a different perspective because that different perspective can can really put um mm. up level in your business. So I wanna I wanna go into I know we have about five minutes here. Let's talk about it because I mean you have so much knowledge. You've traveled the world. You've you've had bulls basically crush you. You you've met with some very influential people. You have a book, The 2 AM principle. Can you share with the audience kind of just quick little cliff note version of what's in that book and what you'd want people to get out of it?
1: Uh, So I looked at how we actually have adventures, like what causes us to live exciting lives. And I discovered that every adventure follows a predictable four-stage process that anybody can learn. And I found all the scientific research that backs it. And so each chapter uh, is a concept about living an adventurous life. Uh, And combined with stories from my life, and, and scientific research. So it might be a story about how I battled Kiefer Sutherland and crashed his Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, in Sorry, I battled Kiefer Sutherland and drunk in Drunken Jenga and crashed his Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, yeah. All the way through to how within 10 seconds of meeting the woman behind the duty-free counter at Stockholm Arlanda Airport, she decided to quit her job and travel with me. And so it's a, a guide and how to and fun, crazy stories about living an exciting life. And all of it's based on actual human behavioral science research uh, that you can easily apply and to really support anybody in being able to connect better, live a more satisfying life and have more fun.
0: So where can people find the book?
1: Uh, anywhere books are sold. So uh, you can get it at. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, uh, you, there's a Kindle, there's a Audible version. So if you want a link, just search for The 2AM Principle, Discover the Science of Adventure, or you can find out links on my website, johnlevytlb.com, uh, J-O-N-L-E, V as in Victor, Y as in yellow, T like Thomas, L like lion, B like boy, T L B. And I'm that on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, anything you can imagine.
0: So I'm definitely going to buy the book myself. We will have the book at notes at Brandon T com. Dude, I, I appreciate you coming on the show, John. You, I, I'm looking forward to meeting you someday. One last thing before we go, what would be, if you're going to share with the audience or let's say you're going to die tomorrow, mm-hmm. what would be one thing you would want to leave with them that could help them live a more fulfilled and successful life?
1: Uh, The size of our life is in proportion to how uncomfortable we're willing to be. So I wish you all an incredibly uncomfortable life and all the (laughs) gifts that come with it.
0: That was great, man. I I truly appreciate that. And uh, that's it for today's show, everyone. You know what time it is. It is time to go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable. Because life is too short not to. I'm Bernie C. Adams. Have a great day, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the show with John. This was fun. I mean, I really enjoyed this conversation. It's one of those deep conversations where two people understand the same kind of things uh, and just communicate on it, on our thoughts and our travel experiences. And this show should tell you like, for one, go out and travel, travel the world, see life, see what's out there. There's a big world out there, but also learning how to connect with influencers add value to people, be very genuine, and just want to be somebody's friend and don't just expect something in return. And that's how he's been able to connect with some very influential people. And that's some of the things I teach in my influencer program in our accelerator If you're interested in that, it's a highly level um advanced program where you get one-on-one with me. It's at livetogrind.com forward slash influencer. Just a, a great program that's a game changer. It's like Wow. It's, it's quite the experience. We've limited it to less people now. It, it's very exclusive. It's one of the biggest. It just, it's crazy. Check it out. Highly suggest the program. Again, check out John's book, The 2AM Principle, The Science of Adventure. As always, connect with me on Snapchat, BT Adams18. That's it for today's show. Until next time, go out there, create something great and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brendan C. Adams. Have a great day, everyone.